Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch on AM 770 KTTH and 94.5 FM for all of our friends on the greater east side. It happened again twice, actually. The car theft crisis continues and nothing is done about it. But it is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Two more high-profile incidents within the last 24 hours or so. First one out of Seattle, a smoke shop called Empire Smoke Shop. Around 6.45 a.m., well, a Hyundai crashed into it. Stolen Hyundai. But I feel like when I say a Hyundai has or a Kia has, insert whatever it is I'm going to say, dot, 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 whether it's just being stolen, driven through a pot shop, a smoke shop, a drugstore, you know that it's stolen. And of course, you know that it's occupied by people who are going to go into said shop and steal whatever it is they can steal. And of course, because this is a smash and grab, they do it very quickly, ensuring that they will not be caught unless there happens to be a cop who is right there when it happened. All they have to do is get back in a car. Usually there's another stolen car with a driver just waiting. They hop in, they drive off, don't even have to speed. They cannot be pursued by police because of Democrats. So thank the Democrats. In this case, it's exactly what they did. They stole vapes, bongs, and other products. I'm presuming these are items that will then be sold. This could get you, I don't know, what does a bong go for on the black market? 20, 30? Last time I checked. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. When customer Christian arrived this morning, he spoke with our sister station, Cairo News Radio. When I pulled up to the shop, I instantly seen the doors off the hinges. There's no doors. And it was crazy. And I think at that point, I think it was Sam Campbell on, on site, looked at him and said, Sir, why are you here so early? It's a smoke shop, man. What's going on with your life? And the guy got mad and then he drove off. I'm kidding. But I think Sam was probably thinking that. I mean, that is a good question. Because I was thinking that. It was the, very early. Is it possible he was driving by and he noticed what happened and then he pulled in to see if maybe someone dropped something on the way out and he could steal that? No, I'm kidding. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. But this was the second time that they had a crash and grab at this particular shop. Again, we're now at the point where we're seeing repeats. We had that one pot shop in Fremont in Seattle that had two cases of the same exact thing happening. Like, it's absolutely insane. And in this case, yeah, they say the suspects in the first incident drove through the back wall. They do this all the time. These people out here lazy. They don't want to work. they rather steal. And it's, it's just crazy. And I see this all the time. It's normal here. He sees it all the time. It's normal here. How many times have others, when we've heard from people living in a community where there's been another smash and grab. How many others have said exactly the same thing? Yeah, this happens all the time. Not shocked. If anything, I'm shocked it didn't happen sooner. I think what what we do. Hey, honey, how long has it been since the last smash and two weeks? Yeah, that's odd. That's that's a long that's a long bit for us. Usually it happens every other day. Which is basically Every other day on the show, we have a story like this. If not even, it's probably more. 
It's probably more than every other day. It might actually be on average. It might be every day on average. I would say most days we cover a story like this. Few, we covered, we covered one days yesterday. Go, yeah. We yeah. had one yesterday. I think we had one on Monday. We have two today. So I'm going to count those all like four out of five days out of the week, five out of seven days out of the week. We'll probably get one of these. It's absolute insanity. Then we then go down into Lakewood where the Kia boys, some respect because there is a Z at the end of that. They stole a Kia minivan. They did it in broad daylight right outside of a Safeway. As the mother, 27-year-old, was shopping. And at one point, one of the teens starts yelling at her. Ah, I know you're mad. I know you're mad. See you, boy. Now, that is a very punchable kid, right? I think everyone can say that. We hear that voice. <laughs> we know. I, yeah. I, they blur out the, the face because it's a minor, which, grow up, did it in public. You get to do this. You get to post this loser's face. I can tell you he's got a punchable face. I think that's a fair assertion. You know, I've been talking about how my book is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Smack him right in the face. Yeah. I mean, he would have to pay for the book first because I'm not going to waste a freebie on that. But he, he very clearly. Again, listen to this dude. Ah, I know you mad. I know you mad. See you, boy. I know you mad. Yeah, you just stole my car. Uh, Kia like, boys. That's so lame. That's so lame. It's the Kia boys. I do like the Zia again. I'm not going <laughs> to lie on that part. So this poor woman, Kennedy, said she found her car as they were, or she approached the car as they were trying to break in. Obviously, she couldn't get there in time. They ended up getting into the car, but she confronted the Kia boys. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get out of the car. Like, you're not going to hit me. It's done. So I'm now positioned in between my stolen car. If I didn't like jump back, they were going to hit me. They're not afraid. Okay, so then they were going to. I'm just saying, don't tell them you're not going to hit me. That is a dare to people like this. Seriously. Like, never do that. So what are you going to do? Hit me? Yeah, then you're going to guarantee that they try to hit you. Because that's what I would do. Don't call me out like that. Of course I'm going to have to show with my friends, oh, I can I can, I can do it. They're, they're going to give me a hard time if I don't she called me out, man. We're the Kia boys. We're going to have to be able to to step. What did they call To front. Is that what the kids still say? That's what the kids say, yeah. yeah. So, yes, they tried to run her over. I felt very violated. I, I'm a mother of three children. I got on the phone with the police, and I let them know the situation, and the kids had already taken off. Yeah, so what can they do? What can the cops do? Dee Dee Sun from Cairo 7 TV asked Sergeant Charles Porsche with the Lakewood PD and said mm, nothing. What can an officer do when you're talking about a kid committing a property crime? Yeah, not much. I think it's a, a frustration for the entire community. Not much. Why can't they do much? Any ideas? Say Democrat passed laws. Democrat passed laws. Precisely. You see, they passed a law that didn't just ban vehicular pursuits, but when it involves a juvenile, they cannot talk to juveniles without a lawyer present. So everything at the same time is just a nightmare. And then, of course, even if they were to make an arrest, it's not going to be prosecuted. So we find ourselves in a position where the Kia boys and all the other idiots out there with punchable faces, they're out there feeling like they can get away with it because they can get away with it. We have emboldened and enabled them. I kept being told they're minors. We can't do anything. You need to wait till they abandon your vehicle. 
and I felt so frustrated. I can't blame her. And I know that there are a lot of Democrats out there and some Republicans who want to blame Kia and Hyundai as if, by the way, they purposefully designed their car to be stolen. Yeah, that's what they're choosing to do. They're just like, you know what? Let's spend our money and our resources on a car that's going to get stolen because, hey, this is the idea. Then the customer will come back and buy another one because that's how it works. I mean, the last time you, you cracked the screen on your phone, you bought a new one. So let's crack the screens on purpose. I mean, it's just such a silly argument. And it's going to continue to happen. And it's going to happen to you if you own a Kia. If I if I were you and I owned a Kia or a Hyundai, can you replace the, the decals on it and confuse people? Put put a Mercedes or a Lexus uh, emblem. Yeah, that, that'll work. <laughs> no, put no, a nobody will be able to tell that your Screw Kia Soul is actually a Lexus. Screw a Jaguar right into the, like the hood of your car, unless it's a Soul, because the Soul ones are kind of weird. And, and frankly, if you got a Soul, man, I'm not saying a you Kia Soul. Yeah, a Kia Soul. Okay. I mean, also if you have a Soul, but if you got a Kia Soul, I'm not saying that you should have. You deserve to have your car stolen and then crashed into a ravine. But I am strongly suggesting it. Wait, they're breaking into the ravine now? Yeah, sure. I mean, who looks at that and says, ooh, these are either hamsters or guinea pigs, who I think it was hamsters. Yeah, that that commercial. Which is the most uncomfortable commercial ever. And I think they tried to do a follow-up, but with skeletons, if I recall. Yeah, that that happened. And that failed. No one liked that. Everyone was all just freaked out by the stupid hamsters, but in a positive way, I guess. You bought a soul on that. What are you? What are you doing? Are you doing that whole with your arm and your? Yeah. Ugh. I know multiple people who drive that car. Are they poor? Uh one of them works here. Are they poor? Mm, probably. Yeah. Is it you? It's not me. Why would I? If I had a key, I could not keep my mouth shut this long. If I drove a Kia. That's fair. You'd have to brag about your wonderful decision. Yeah, yeah, I bought a Kia Soul. Yeah, the hamsters oh just switched. So ha- I'm just to tell like, you. what are the hamsters? Oh my God. Push the button. These poor people. What's trending? Your health. Speaking of these poor people, you're going to get a lot of folks who, on average, are going to see their insurance go up, their health insurance rates go up 9%. On average, it's like 8.45, something like that. But no one who will complain over any of this will stop for a moment. To say, why is this happening? They will immediately go ahead and blame the insurance companies. And not that I want to defend insurance companies because they're all the worst. But there is a little bit more to the story. Now, according to the Seattle Times, the state office of the insurance commissioner has approved an average increase of 8.94% for 14 health insurers operating in our individual health insurance market. The one that was set up as a result of Obamacare. Premiums for coverage provided by three will see double-digit increases. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of Washington, 17.8%. Primera Blue Cross, 17.2%. Bridgespan Health, I've never heard of them, 16.4%. And it's going to hit about 220,000 people. The folks who are covered through individual health insurance or on the individual health insurance market, these are folks who are not getting health insurance from their employer. And generally, we're talking about lower income individuals. It's happening to them. Now, here is a question that they will not ask. 
Why is this happening? And the ones who will ask it, they will automatically assume it's the insurance companies because they're all so greedy. But it's more than that. First of all, Obamacare is a big reason behind this. When you guarantee that everyone gets access to the same health care insurance kinds of plans under an individual market like we have here, and you've got people who are sick who otherwise would not be able to get cheap insurance, you are hurting the overall system because they are very expensive and they're not putting enough into the pot. So then you have to put more in. But at some point, if you get enough sick people, especially around the time of COVID, and I'm not even talking about COVID, but the ill effects of being stuck in the house for two months and becoming Fatty McFatface. Well, all of a sudden, bam, all of a sudden you're sicker and you're putting more of a burden on the system. But beyond that, keep in mind all of the mandated coverage that the state of Washington puts out or, or imposes. There are certain things that they, as an insurance company, are mandated to cover cover if they're on the individual market here in Washington state. If they're offering insurance in Washington state, we're talking about elective surgeries tied to transgender health care, so-called gender affirming care. That's mandated coverage. Abortion is mandated coverage. Contraception, mandated coverage. This one was weird. Voluntary sterilization. If you volunteer for it, you should pay for it yourself. If you're being forced into it, okay, I get why you might want to get it covered. I don't know who's forcing you other than maybe the state. But the list goes on and on and on. And some of the things, it's not like your average person might disagree with. Like, for example, that you're mandated to cover for diabetes care or for children on the spectrum, autistic children. Like, okay, I get that and I understand why and I think that there's a benefit to that. But there's also some other stuff that, like, no, I shouldn't have to pay for an abortion. I shouldn't have to pay into a system that covers abortion. Well, the insurer has to offer that. And all of those little things start to add up. And thus, it becomes, at some point, necessary to raise rates. That's why this is happening. If you don't want it to happen, okay, walk some of it back. Walk some of it back. Go ahead and put the pressure on the state on the Democrats to do something. They're not going to, but you might as well get on the record. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Crime. I feel like in Seattle and in Tacoma, the mayors should check out what's going on in Spokane. Because you've got Mayor Nadine Woodard, Woodward, a Republican, and the police chief there, Craig Meidel, who was at one point accused of leaking me stuff. I remember that story. Never met the guy. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name correctly. Well, they just held the press conference in their downtown core. And they did that because they wanted to announce, we now have a zero tolerance policy for all crime. Not some, all crime. This isn't Seattle. This is Spokane. If you want to get a pass for smoking fentanyl, On a park bench, go there. If you want to get a pass for littering, go to Seattle. Not here. Here are the crimes that he says keep occurring in this general area. This is the police chief. Shootings, other crimes of violence, drug use and drug dealing, human trafficking and prostitution, theft, trespassing, malicious mischief, littering, 
all have created an environment in the core of our downtown area that is intolerable. Intolerable, which is how I would describe downtown Seattle, parts of Tacoma, thanks to all the crime. And so what they decided to do is, and this is going to be a shock to folks who live in Seattle or Tacoma with the crime crisis. They were all like at the city leadership level with the mayor. We have a crime crisis. So number one, they acknowledged it. Number two, they said, you know what? We're going to come up with a plan. I'm going to work urgently with my police chief and we're going to do something about it. And then what did they do? They implemented the plan. They implemented the plan. They have more police presence in downtown, despite the fact, by the way, that they are understaffed. They desperately need more cops. But they decided to do these emphasis patrols in the area. And according to Spokane PD Captain Stephen Wool, it's actually working. In the last week alone, we have made hundreds, hundreds of contacts, 60 plus arrests. With those arrests comes guns off the street. We have confiscated guns, large amount of fentanyl pills. And we've identified people who are actively participating in human trafficking. Why has that not happened in Seattle or Tacoma? Seriously, why has this not happened? Our problems in Seattle and Tacoma are worse than what's going on in Spokane. When was the last time you heard from Victoria Woodards? Seriously, when was the last time? I remember getting that statement after a cop was shot. A statement that weirdly didn't talk all that much about the cop and instead pivoted to how you're a hero because you have some after school programs that don't do anything. When was the last time we heard on this issue Bruce Harrell? Where is he? Oh, is he busy announcing a pickleball tournament tomorrow and Sunday in downtown Seattle? Of which, by the way, he'll be there for 30 minutes. He's not spending that much time there. He's in and out. He doesn't want to hang out downtown. It smells like urine. He doesn't want to get stabbed by some hobo. That's all we get from him. Every once in a while, maybe a press release or a tweet, something about guns. Where is he? Why is he not talking to the business community, hearing them out, and then actually expressing some support the way Mayor Woodward out in Spokane is? What they see on the street is open drug deals, drug use, and the devastating impacts of addiction. Fentanyl foils, feces, tons and tons of garbage. And they see the result of failed policy. Wow, she's calling out failed policy. She's not calling out MAGA Republicans. She's not calling out quote-unquote guns and the NRA. She's calling out failed policy. Policy that has been put upon her by the state legislature in some instances, sometimes by the city council, which is to the left. And she's doing something and she's seeing some results. This is how you lead a city. Will the results be perfect? No. Will they be able to stop all crime from occurring? No, of course not. But she announced the plan and actually implemented it instead of telling us that we've got a plan at some point for a plan to plan out a plan to plan to cover the plan that we're going to implement before planning the plan of the plan to go ahead and get crime under control. Don't worry, there's a plan. Well, what's the plan? Well, we're in the planning stages of the plan. That's all we get on on a lucky week. And of course, when Bruce Harrell, who is notorious for doing that, 
Oh, yeah, you know, my my staff, we're, my office, we are working on a plan. We're going to have it to you pretty soon. Don't you worry. Sit tight. We'll get it to you. Don't worry. You don't have to call us. We'll call you. Don't worry. And, of course, he hopes that you forget and don't follow up, which 97% of the time the media forgets and they move on. Until, of course, there's another massive crime, like a mass shooting. Then they ask the same question. Hey, what's the plan? Don't worry. We're going to work. My office right now is working on a plan. MAGA Republicans, we're working on a plan. We hate guns. We're working on a plan. Do not worry. We've got it. Don't call us. We'll call you and let you know. And then what happens? Time goes by. No one follows up. And the cycle continues over and over and over again. It happens in Seattle. We don't get that so much in Tacoma. I don't really hear the mayor do anything, including promise a plan. So it tells us, well, we already have a plan being implemented. We already have a plan. In fact, look at our stats. They're down. Ma'am, are you comparing them to your historic highs? Could you compare them to where you were in 2019 and 2018, 2017? Could you do that? And could, by the way, we can maybe focus on certain elements of these crimes? Because last year you had one arson, and so you said, well, it went up 100%. Well, now it's down. Well, because she didn't have an arson. That arson is not happening all the time in any case. It, it is absurd what we have to put up with. They should be paying attention to Spokane and writing notes. Take notes. Kudos to Nadine Woodward for doing her job. And Craig Meidel, the Spokane police chief. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. The Jason Ranch Show. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Ranch. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. Our man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing her these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. Hunter Biden is in trouble. Democrats are panicked. The media is trying to cover, although maybe things are starting to change. Joining me on the line to discuss is our friend Leo Terrell, of course, of Fox News, but also a civil rights attorney and radio host. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. What's your take as to the why did we get this indictment yesterday from David Weiss? Is this him suddenly being interested in pursuing Hunter Biden in a serious way because he got caught? Is this something else? Yeah, very easy. Uh, Thank you. Thank America should thank the Delaware judge who called David Weiss out about six weeks ago. David Weiss did not want to prosecute Hunter Biden. Everybody knows he gave him a sweetheart deal. He got caught. And I, I guarantee you, this, in my opinion, is no big deal. This gun charge is no big deal. Why? Because it has no connection to all the other crimes that connect Joe Biden and his son. Yep. And so, in my opinion, this is nothing more than a red herring. The big fish is Joe Biden and mm-hmm. the bribery and, and the foreign dollars coming into his entire crime Biden family. So I look at this as Okay, uh, justice may be done on the gun charge, but there's a lot more involving Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Well, and there's some irony in that at least one of the charges seems to be clearly based on something that's unconstitutional. And the Fifth Court of Appeals has already dictated that. It would be something if this was challenged and the actual Supreme Court got involved and then said, actually, we're expanding gun rights all because of this Hunter Biden case. Oh, isn't, wouldn't that be amazing considering <laughs> that uh, it, it's his dad who came up with the crime bill, the 1994 crime bill. So there's a very 
solid underlying challenge to the underlying charge of the gun charge because yeah. of the uh, constitutionality of it. But I'll tell you right now, look, there's a clock ticking, Jason, on the statute of limitation of all these potential crimes that Hunter Biden and his dad potentially were involved in. And that's why David Weiss, to me, is providing protection, legal protection for the Biden family. When we look at this impeachment inquiry, there's been a lot of back and forth about whether or not there's evidence of a crime. And it feels like both sides of this argument are accurate in that I can't point – no one at this point can point to something that I think that you know, if we didn't have a, a, a nonsense impeachment against Donald Trump, we would say, well, that is an impeachable crime. That is a high crime and mis- that kind of thing. But also th- this idea that there's nothing there – is patently absurd. We we know that he's been lying. The president has been lying about all of this. We know that there is an influence peddling scheme, or at least there was. Where do you think things head? I'll tell you right now, it, it is it is to me disingenuous for a lot of the people on the left to claim, oh, there's no direct evidence. You know, cases are won on circumstantial evidence. Yeah. And, and, and this is a impeachment inquiry. It's saying, let us continue our investigation. Have they laid a foundation? I've been a lawyer for 30 years, Jason. Have they laid a foundation for probable cause mm-hmm. using a legal term? Sure. Yeah. These, these phony uh, uh, LLCs, the amount of money that has been given to the Biden crime family, they want a direct statement. I get it, but that's political. Legally, this meets the threshold of there's a potential crime here. So I honestly believe that basic, uh, based on the impeachment inquiry, the House Republicans have the green light to continue to pursue this. And if there needs to be an article of impeachment voted upon, so be it. But right now, I think it's very well stated that the House Republicans have a legitimate cause to pursue this impeachment inquiry. Is there a risk if they don't now impeach? I, I don't know the last time there was an impeachment inquiry that didn't lead to an impeachment, but what would end up happening is media would come out and Democrats would come out and say, see, I told you there were no crimes. There was nothing even wrong that happened. Joe Biden is pure as the driven snow. That's what the spin is going to be if there's not an impeachment. I think you're 100% correct. I think if the blowback... The Republicans have to fear that, hey, it may come up empty, and therefore you went through all this time. You could have been doing the so-called country's business, and you Mm -hmm. wasted time here. I see that as a possibility. I like the House Republicans' chances, and in the meantime, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the White House and the Biden administration because they got to put out fires. Not only have to, they have to deal with this impeachment inquiry, but they have to deal with the Hunter Biden situation. And there's a lot more out there that we don't know that hasn't been disclosed yet. Exactly. I think that point is an important one. There's a lot we just don't know. We, we certainly know that there, as you point out, a case has been laid out. We know what they're looking for. We certainly know, as confusing as it might be to the American public and, frankly, to me, to, to connect all the dots on the bank records and the LLCs and whatnot. We know that something's there, but we know that there's obviously more to come. Uh, Leo Terrell, by the way, joining us on the line Ultimately, this is a political proceeding. That's how the American public viewed the Trump impeachment. That's how they're going to view this one. Do you think the politics of this match up in favor of Republicans? Oh, definitely. And I, I think I think is you know you stated it very well when you you look at what they 
impeach Trump not once but twice for, and you, you, you sort of question it. So the, the validity of this impeachment inquiry is valid. And I think right now the, the momentum stays with the Republican Party and the House Republicans. And I think Trump benefits from a little bit of this because, you know, the focus has been on Trump as the most corrupt politician ever in the history of this country. Well, we have a president, a sitting president whose son has just been indicted, historic, and you have an impeachment inquiry on some pretty good evidence mm-hmm. right now. So I think it favors the Republicans, and I think Trump gets a little benefit from it because of the fact that, hey, there's some dirty dealings on the Democratic side. And I think, Jason, the most important part is I've noticed the left-wing media can no longer ignore it. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, part of the reason why I speculated yesterday, I was filling in for Bongino, but also on my show, I speculated that part of the reason why you're seeing this now coming from the media is because they don't think that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump. And if they mm-hmm. thought that he could, they would be backing him completely. They wouldn't be talking even about the age issue. And yet that's exactly what they're doing now is because there is significant doubt in their mind that, hey, uh, Donald Trump is going to be the next president. We have a new Fox News poll that came out yesterday. It showed Donald Trump up by two over Biden. And by polling standards, when dealing with Trump, I always say if he's below, but if he's losing by two to three points, he's going to win. So if he's up by two, I... I I definitely know he's going to win. I think you're spot on. I think the Democrats, there's no doubt what's being whispered off camera. Joe Biden's going to lose. And if you look at internal, those internal numbers, I looked at that Fox poll. Uh, Trump is winning suburban suburban women. He's winning independent voters. He's he's increased his number of black and Hispanic voters. So those internal numbers do not look good. And I think you had Nancy Pelosi and Jamie Raskin. And don't forget the Washington Post editorial uh, piece by David mm-hmm. Ignatius, who said, "Hey, don't run, Joe. Don't run. And don't even keep Kamala." So I think this is historic in the sense that the Democrats are basically telling Joe, uh, we're not going to back you. It's now the donors. The donors are going to be the key in this final analysis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on just briefly, the United Auto Workers today uh, announced the strike. They're in a position where they seem to be, be getting the support of both Joe Biden and Donald Trump uh, on Meet the Press. The, the president said he was on the side of the auto workers. Where politically, where does this Take us. Generally, conservatives will call out these kinds of strikes and not support them. Well, I'll tell you right now, first of all, the, 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 the first of all, I saw Joe Biden's press conference today and he's 100 percent behind the union workers and yeah. the strikers. And I think uh, it's no, no question about that. But Donald Trump makes an argument only because I think middle America, the average average American, the working class Americans resonate towards Trump. So Trump recognizes that. I don't think he's going to, he's in favor of a four day work week getting paid for five and what these guys are asking for, for $300,000. But part of the collective bargaining agreement calls for negotiation and the right to strike. So I I think the president Trump support is more measured than Mm -hmm. the all out 100% give the union whatever they want by Trump, by Biden. Well, so that's the most important part. You have Joe Biden who supports the union, as in the institution of a union, and the the union bosses and those folks. You have Donald Trump who supports the workers in the union, yes. which is a different thing. Absolutely, well said. You, you, I mean, you should go to law school. That that was a perfect analysis. It's the workers within the union, not the union itself. I think you're out. You're spot on. How, how does this end? 
Oh, I, I, I think there would be a, a compromise. There'll be some negotiation. I don't think this cut. Uh, the longer this uh, continues, is to the disadvantage of Joe Biden, the AKA union president. So I think it works out in a settlement. From what I understand, the GM uh, president came out with an offer, and they have not gotten a response from the union. It's going to be resolved yeah. sooner than later. There you go. My friend Leo Terrell, thank you so much for stopping by. As always, really appreciate it. Jason, it's always a pleasure. Great questions. Glad to be on. Have Thank a great you so weekend. much. You as well. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. When we come back, quick hits. The Jason Rancho. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rance. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rance is in focus now. Jason Rance, thank you for your reporting on that. The Quick Hit. There's something going on in Philadelphia that's incredibly important, and it's, you know, a, a positive development for the city of Philadelphia, in particular, the neighborhood known as Kensington or Kenzo. And it, it just so happens, the timing of which coincides with my forthcoming book. It's actually out in just a little over 10 days. It's called What's Killing America Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. And it's not a KTTH product. It, I, I was paid for it uh, outside of KTTH. But what I think is important to understand is that we know exactly what's going to happen when you decide to really lean into drug culture. When you legalize drugs, when you turn the other way, when you say, oh, well, you know, they'll get help when they're ready, especially in light of all the increases in crime that's associated with drug abuse, with the increases in homelessness that's directly connected to the drug crisis, you're, it is a fool's errand to even contemplate a world in which accepting any of that is going to work. And I've got an entire chapter, as I've pointed out this week on the show, in the book about the war on the war on drugs. What has been lost in all of the conversations about how the government lost the war on drugs is that we lost fewer people to drug addiction, to fatal overdoses during the war on drugs. Now, you can take aspects of the war on drugs and say, this is clearly wrong. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. We should rethink this and that. Totally reasonable and fair. Because I think the war on drugs that was purely about throwing people in jail, that part was wrong. But the criminal justice system has to play a role, has to, in the drug crisis. If it doesn't, you're just going to continue to lose more people. And they decided back before it was deemed to be this position you had to take in order to establish yourself as this hardcore progressive with some street cred, they were in Philadelphia talking about legalizing these heroin injection sites, which they falsely called safe consumption sites. There's nothing safe about consuming an illicit substance. There just isn't. Now, just because you have a nurse there or a doctor there who's not looking over your shoulder to make sure that you're injecting yourself with the right dosage, they're there just in case you have an overdose. That's what they're there for. Which, by the way, should be a hint that it's not safe. If you need a nurse or a doctor around to prevent you from dying, then it's not safe. But they chose Kenzo because Kenzo or Kensington, this uh, neighborhood in Philadelphia, they chose it because they had a whole bunch of drug addicts there. 
whole bunch of homeless people there, a whole bunch of crime there. This is where the people were at. So they decided, let's do it here. Well, now we learned as of yesterday, it passed during the show. They passed a bill at the council banning these drug consumption sites across not just Kensington, but most of Philadelphia. The legislation passed 13 to 1, and it now updates the zoning codes that would prohibit these consumption sites from going up in nine of the 10 districts in the city, including Kensington. That was so bad. And again, this is in the book. Mexico was using Philadelphia and Kensington as a way to say we're way safer than the United States, Mexico City. Now, we're expecting that the mayor, Jim Kenney, is going to sign this. That's the expectation. But the fact of the matter is, it still doesn't go far enough because all of the districts, all of the districts should say no to this. Councilmember Ketsi Lozada said, I will not apologize for making the voice of the people who live in my community a priority. I would like those of you who don't live in Kensington area to be respectful of those individuals who are raising their families there and who experience and are impacted by what they go through every single day. And she's talking, of course, about the rise in drug use, including, by the way, the zombie drug, xylazine, trank, which is creating flesh-eating wounds amongst drug users who are so high they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. Now, a spokesperson for the mayor's office in a statement to Fox News said, as this crisis worsens, we need more tools and strategies to save lives. This is not the time to limit our options, especially when we know that overdose prevention centers operating in other cities are saving lives. That's false. That's false. That's absolutely false. Now, again, we expect that Kenny or Kenny is going to sign this. And I don't know if I expect it because he suddenly has changed his mind given that statement. He clearly hasn't. But when you've got 13 to 1, you know that you're going to be overridden should you choose to ignore. He might do the whole thing of just not signing anything and then it goes to them again and then it just gets implemented. I think that that's how it works and they're just like it does here in Seattle. But the fact of the matter is they killed Kensington, and they killed the people who live there because of what they were doing on this drug-permissive culture. There is zero evidence, zero evidence that shows that heroin injection sites or quote-unquote safe consumption sites work. Because you and I define work as getting people off of drugs. They don't. This is harm reduction at work. Harm reduction is not about getting people off of drugs. It's about reducing the harm that drugs provide or or drugs can deliver to someone. Which is why they hand out clean needles and pipes to smoke, whatever it is you're smoking. Everything from crack to fentanyl to meth. Harm reduction is not about saving people's lives In the long run, it's just keeping them alive so that they can take another hit. It is disturbingly cruel. It's inhumane. 
and more and more and more people are starting to pick up on that, but not enough are. I can't remember where I did this. I think I made this point with, what did I do it with? Maybe it was with Liz Wheeler today. I can't remember. I've done too many interviews. I think it was with Liz Wheeler. I made the point that harm reduction is impacting everybody's lives. All of us. If you're listening to me right now, harm reduction strategies are almost certainly in place wherever it is you live. And just because you live in a conservative city doesn't mean that your county isn't implementing it. I can go and ask a random person on the street what harm reduction is, and they won't be able to tell me. I could ask some people who are listening to me right now to explain what harm reduction is next week, having me just told you, and you might not be able to tell me. That's a problem. That's a problem because if you look at the literature, if you look at the way that a lot of these drug policies and homelessness policies are implemented and pitched and written about, and described in budget documents and whatnot, they say harm reduction. Now, harm reduction as a phrase sounds great. We're reducing harm. That's awesome. You might actually think that this is about getting people off of drugs because that's the only way to truly reduce all the harm associated with illicit substances. But that's not what it is. And yet it's being implemented and people have no clue have no idea. They have been convinced because it sounds well. It sounds like a good-intentioned strategy or initiative. But the fact of the matter is it's killing people, and we all ought to be on the same page here. But we're not. So again, that was part of the reason why I wrote What's Killing America, although I don't just talk about drugs and crime and homelessness. I talk about immigration. I talk about housing. I talk about taxes. I talk about education, but I spend a lot of time on drug policy and crime because it's what's clearly destroying a lot of these cities that we can see, right? This is visible destruction of our cities. So I hope you will, as we go into this weekend, I really would appreciate it if you can go to Amazon, pre-order the hard copy of What's Killing America If you can't do the hard copy because you just don't like hardcover books, that's okay. I would appreciate it if you would do on Amazon the Kindle version and the audio version. Because as I've been telling you, it's very, very, very difficult to get onto bestseller lists as a conservative. We have to work 10 times as hard as the liberals do. And the only way that it's going to happen is if people in this audience, if every single person bought a book, Before the release date, I would be on the bestseller list. Easy. Hands down, easy. So if you can offer me that support, I would appreciate it. Again, the name of the book is What's Killing America. You can get it on Amazon. If you need a direct link, go to any one of my social media channels. I've got them posted. Just hit me up on on Twitter at Jason Rance. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. You're listening to The Jason Rance Show.